G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. I'm Russ McCumber. Today, we have Mike Safone. G'day, Mike. How are you? What's going on, Russ? Hey, I'm really excited to chat to you. We've been chatting a bit online. I've been following you for a bit on LinkedIn, and we are also in Liam Fallon's great SEO Slack group as well. Before we get into that, if you are tuning in for the first time, we do this every two weeks. I speak to the best and brightest minds in SEO. We want to find out about their career history. We want to find out about brands that they've worked on, people they've worked with, who they've looked up to, and then some of their ideas around what strategies and tactics are helping them get their sites to the top of the surf. So before we get into that though, Mike, I'm going to ask you the one question that I do ask every SEO that comes on this podcast. What is the number one biggest challenge that SEOs face in 2023? I think it's being able to what I just call productizing your offerings. And that, that really hints at the being able to balance custom work with like scalable work and stuff. That it's just, you know, I feel like it's a big struggle for, for any, especially people that are going into, that are starting out, you know, going out on their own. Um, or even if you're like an agency, like in the agency structure, it's a lot. I feel like to meet, you know, certain revenue marks and certain, you know, to, to stay profitable, custom work is, is kind of a little bit more incompatible, at least if it's a larger part of your portfolio, like you have to be able to package things up. And, you know, when we say packages, like that has a really bad connotation to it because people think it's, you know, rinse and repeated, like just cookie cutter kind of strategies. So what I like to say is productize your stuff. So try to balance, you know, custom work with, you know, a package doesn't have to be a strict package. I would say configurable options, like have the, the, the idea is to get, get, arrive at something scalable, but be able to still deliver the quality and, you know, uniqueness that something custom would, you know, you know what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'd like to go deep on this. Let's, let's, let's talk a bit about, let's get into your history and figure out like how you've come to, yeah, yeah. because there's a, a really tricky balance there that agencies, consultants, honestly, even like in-house SEOs who have to deliver an amount of work in a period of time, like the productizing helps give a defined scope to someone who is either buying it or they're managing it or they're overseeing the results. So there's two sides to that coin. It's not just to make it so I can, you know, control scope yeah. creep. And, and, so you said, and you said something, well, exactly. I was going to hint at like, what's yeah. everyone's like worst, you know, enemy is scope creep. Exactly. Right? Uh, yeah, we can dive more into that. But yeah, if you want to go into Unreal. The intros. Unreal. Cool. So Mike Safoni, I've got you on the podcast. I talk to educators and practitioners and people from tech brands and the like. Let's get a bit of a, a look at yourself and your history. So how did you stumble or how did you make an intentional decision to get into to marketing or it's, you know, what was your sort of entry level there? I, I definitely stumbled. Um, so when I was in, when I was in college, I, I caddied for the owner of a digital marketing agency. 
Uh-huh. And I was a, I was a poli-sci major, political science major in, in college. So, you know, I hadn't really ever thought of like marketing or anything, but when I was, you know, he had uh, one random day, he, you know, <clears throat> asked me like, Hey, when are you graduating? I, I, you know, are you looking for, looking for, you know, a job or you're looking to get into marketing? Would you be interested in something like that? And I mean, what do you, when someone, you know, that owns a business asks you if you, the answer to that is, could always be, of course I'm interested, you know, because yeah. So isn't that, isn't that the uh, whole point of the caddying? (laughs) Well, right. So yeah, I mean, that ultimately led to me. I went to school at the university of Missouri, Columbia, so Mizzou. And that led to me staying there for an extra couple of years after I graduated. I actually started working before I technically quote unquote graduated because like my last semester, I was just doing, you know, on the, a couple of the classes were like online, like low credit hours. So yeah, I was ready to get out. You know, I just, I just started working before I graduated, but then yeah, that led to two years there, which is kind of a struggle because my wife was from, well, girlfriend at the time was from St. Louis, which is close there. He was moving to Chicago. I'm from Chicago. I ended up staying in, in Missouri for two years and she ended up coming to Chicago right after school. So then, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, I spent a couple of years there and then got a, an offer to head up SEO at a, a startup that was in the home services space. So what that bef- was uh, bef- just, just getting started we, in in Chicago, yeah. Before we get to that, so what were you doing specifically at the agency? Was it SEO? Was it on the tools or, or client facing? Or oh well, it- I started. I started doing. I mean, it was it was client facing. Um, but I was a specialist, so I mean, I started out doing. I didn't start out doing just SEO. Like I started out, I was doing you know social posts, content, you Got know it. PPC, you know infographic, like. I was doing like a lot of the, you know, I was doing everything because that's kind of like what a digital marketing specialist does that, you know, when you're, when you're first starting out and then you kind of, you know, refine and you figure out what you, what you, what you like and what you're good at. And then you, you go into that, but then yeah, SEO, like quickly, I'm a huge nerd as well, a big tech nerd. So I gravitated towards SEO okay. very quickly. Yeah. So then that's, I guess, technically I, I was my title changed to SEO specialist probably like eight months later. Okay, cool. So then took, what was the next role there? That the, the home business, what was it? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, I headed up SEO. I got an offer to head up SEO at uh, an ultimate that turned into like just building out like digital marketing kind of at a uh, startup in the home services space. It's called called Homex. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was, that was my next step. And then, you know, I always, I knew I wanted to get back to my, I knew I wanted to start my own thing, you know, eventually. And, you know, the, what I really liked about being at a startup was like that, like early stage feel where, you know, I was like a 12th person. Right. So, so you had a really small tight knit kind of like, how do you, you ever seen the show Silicon Valley? You felt a lot like that, you know, like at the start. And then, you know, I, I decided to leave like once, you know, they, you know, funding happened and started getting bigger and, you know, everything, it just wasn't, you know, exactly the feel that, that, you know, I had joined for not, you know, great company, great people, you know, it was at the president's wedding, you know, very good relationship, but uh, yeah, ended up, you know, starting my own thing. So I got back into it and uh, just as I started Saphone Digital, well, I had been doing freelance for, after I left, I did freelance for a little while. And then that was like, while I was building, you know, establishing the business, you know, doing just early, you know, 
you know what I'm talking about. You, you've done it. And then, yeah, I started and then COVID hit. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Were you in so, a, uh, were you in a, before you made that leap, were you in a comfortable place? Like financially to. to yeah. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, I had, I timed it well. Like I was, I was ready. So I kind of had, you know, a plan for sure. But I mean, even if you, in my experience, it was, you know, you think that you're, you're, uh, you're good, but then, you know, all, you know, three months later, you're eating tuna out of the can, you know, <laughs> but I mean, that's not something you got to be ready for. If you're going to go out on your own, you got to be ready for the struggles, man. I mean, it's, it's not easy at all, but you get over the hump and it's rewarding. What so. do you think you were, if you go back, this is an interesting conversation because we have lots of consultants, freelancers who started agency side or brand side, and then they've moved to consulting. And, and I know a number of them that have done that. And I know a very high percentage of them come back to agency or come back yeah. to brand side because, yeah. you know, being um, like, you know, one of the best SEOs I've ever worked with, absolute genius. I won't say his name, but he was picking up freelancing gigs on the side and making really good money to the point where it was like, why am I working for you guys when I can be doing this? And you yeah, know, yeah. way more flexible. And he did that less than a year later, he was back on a brand or agency and then brand. And, and I, I think that he probably, and I, I wonder how many underestimate your SEO skills, which are clearly amazing, make up if you're like a consultant, what percentage of your day are actually SEO strategy execution skills and what percentage are running a business and relationship and everything else? So you're, you're okay. You're asking me what percent of my time I'm spending running the business versus, I mean, that's like the toughest part, right? Which is, you know, I, I, I'm a huge, I love tech SEO. That's my, uh, I would say if there's anything that's my emphasis within SEO, it's, 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 uh, it's tech SEO. And so I, I love audits, man. Like I, I, it's, I love the mystery going in and the best is when there's a site that like, they have no idea what's wrong. And they just, they're ranking, you know, and then it's like, a, like you're solving a mystery to figure it out. So, um, I would say you have to be able to, you have to learn to delegate stuff off, whether that's going to be bringing in somebody or, or because the business has to take up like 50% of your time. There you go. And that's what people understand. Yeah. I mean, if you, and the other thing, which I learned the hard way was like, you got to get someone managing finances like right away. Because that can get out of control pretty quick. And then like next thing you know, like you're, you know, you owe 12 grand or so in taxes and you're like, oh crap. Where do I find you that? Know, it's like the first time you get the, the first time you, you do your taxes as a business owner, it's a, a little, it's a little off-putting. That's interesting though. Cause you, you know, let's say you decide, you don't want, cause there are those that go, okay, well, I don't want to build a big agency. I just want to work for myself. I want to be solo. But that doesn't mean you don't bring in people to support you in areas that you need support. Oh, absolutely. Or, no, I mean. You know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, you got, you got to have, you know, make friends and get allies, you know, around you that, that, that want to help, you know, that, that you can trust and you can rely on. And, you know, they don't, like you said, contractors are, are do that on a contract basis. You know, I would say most of my extended team is, is external contractors that I didn't work with on a very, very regular basis, you know? And so, yeah, I think just Having people around you early on is, is the the best thing because, yeah, like I said, you, you've got to be spending 50% on the business. I think that's really good advice. Like, just don't take it all on. Just because you're going down a consultant path doesn't mean you have to do 100% of everything in your business. It's just not practical. So, Well, you can't. I mean, it's just, it's just you, you can't do it all by yourself. It's just too much. Cool. When you were starting out, who were some of the people that you looked up to? Was there any thought leaders or was it people internally? Like, I, I, the best SEO so, I've ever met with is someone that no one knows. 
large. Yeah. No, I mean, I've got a, a couple of people like that. The guy, the owner of the agency that I started at, Max Trokel, I really looked up to him because he was, he's really talented. Mm. But I would say within the industry, whiteboard, we always watched whiteboard Friday. Rands, you know, like, I actually think I just saw him put out a whiteboard video. Was it on Twitter or was it he's, on, he's, I don't know if it was on LinkedIn. He just started doing them again. They're, they're, they're very short. He's big on attribution and measure it, which is actually a big passion point of mine as well. So I'm loving. Yeah. I've been saying this for like a year. That was the one, that was the one that I had. Was that on Twitter or was that on LinkedIn? It was on both. Was, was it both? It both. I think I, I, I think I had to pass it on Twitter. I want to go back and watch that because I actually am also super interested in that. But that's, I was, I was, I was pumped. I was like, wait, is he going to start doing these again? Because yeah, early on every whiteboard Friday, we would all huddle up in the, in the main conference room and, that's cool. and watch it and then talk about how we were going to, okay, what do we take away from this? Like, how are we going to implement the, You know, what can we actually implement from this? Like with our current client base, you know, and I thought that was good. That was something I, I really liked that it kept us on our feet, you know, kept us from getting complacent, learning, you know, staying up to date, you know, not getting too comfortable in one set of tactics, strategies, and, and, you know, you know, it goes. For sure. And then any early algo stories, like any, any horror stories, anything that happened when you really got, you know, turned around? So, and, and these were like, I mean, like the, some of the earliest, like I remember, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I'm younger, so I missed out on like, like panda the hummingbirds and, and the pandas okay. and stuff like that. Though, I, I mean, I can imagine, only imagine what that was like. But what, so the, the biggest nightmare I think was early on. And I, so the, the biggest one was, I think Barry called it Maccabees. I th- it was unconfirmed, but Barry had called it Maccabees. I, I want to say, do I have to look that up? Anyone listening right now, Barry was on episode a couple back. So if you want to have a listen to, to have some of the stuff that Barry's released, Barry Schwartz. He was on this free podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on a C round table right now. Yeah. 2017, uh, unconfirmed. Yeah. Basically, I don't know if anyone ever like really pinpointed what the, what the update like actually was, was targeting. I think it might've just been like tweaks, but I remember, you know, the sensors went, you know, crazy. And this was like, right when I, I had started managing my first, you know, I was like, you know, training wheels off here's your clients, you know, and I had several with like long time, number one rankings, like drop off to like bottom, middle, bottom paid. And these companies rely, just happened to heavily rely on, you know, consistent traffic, like for, I mean, product, you know, for sales, like the, you know, revenue was like, you know, a, a, a five position hit that could result in, you know, potentially thousands of dollars. So clients, you know, started, dropped off, lost some revenue and like, you know, I'm like, I just got my first set of clients, been in the industry, you know, been doing SEO for maybe a year, you know, eight months to a year. And can you still feel that knot in your stomach? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, I'm flashing back to it right now, but, but you know what? I think that that the nature of that update was it specific, you know, some things like mobile friendly, like we know what to do, you know, core web vitals. There's a clear, uh, you know, but when it's something like that, it's like you're looking for a needle in a haystack. Like it's pretty much, and looking back, I think, you know, some of the best advice I'd give SEOs in that situation is stop and don't do anything for a little while. If you can, you know, because I, I, if I'm recalling it took, you know, we did some stuff, but I couldn't exactly attribute it to, Hey, this caused the rankings to go back up. I just remember looking at rankings one morning and like we were, things were, you know, 
turned around like about a month or so later. But I think that's what really got me into audits and tech SEO early on was because I was, I had to basically learn on the fly, you know, how to audit. <laughs> right. So head first. I think then the other one was the, whenever they started, what was it? Was it, I don't know if it was official or not, but you remember when they started displaying the like insecure, like the, I don't think it was the HTTPS update, but if there was like a form on the page that was insecure, like the whole page, you'd have like a warning over it. Yeah. That was another one that was kind of a nightmare with, you know, ultimately I think similarly right after that, I bought a smarter way to learn JavaScript, PHP and MySQL book. And okay. Then, Ubuntu sixteen oh four the admin book. <laughs> oh, there you go. So I guess that that kind of led me into development too. So you know, I guess their silver linings are they kind of led so, to some stuff that I ended up you know ended up really being defining parts of of my career and skill set. So that's cool. That's like the perfect example of chaos creating opportunity. You know, it's oh, what's going on. How do I learn from this? How do I grow? So it's all experience, man. Speaking of experience, like where you've known you've gone through all of those changes right now, obviously the biggest thing happening, been pretty topical all this year. And I think it's going to be topical for a while, you know, AI, chat GPT, now Bard trying to, you know, trying to get better and generative search. What, what's your, where are you at with it? Are you, are you talking to your clients around how we can, you know, get better, at, get ahead with generative yeah. search or what's your, what's your take? You know, a couple of things to, to go on here. The first thing I just want to point out is. I think it was, you know, I had seen people talking about like prompts and stuff, you know, and I've actually got a couple ads on served to me on Instagram about like people actually selling ChatGPT prompts. So the other day I was like, I don't know, I was talking to, I think it was, might've been Liam on, on, in, in Slack and we're, we're doing him. So he just launched a test site in the travel space. I saw like that. Building every, yeah. So, so I'm going to do one for kind of a joke oh i guess it was just it was kind of a funny occurrence so i don't know if it was like a spam thing or like some kind of bot but on instagram or on linkedin i got there was a, i got tagged in something in like a picture talking about the top like 10 lawn care That's right. seo experts it. in the industry that was <laughs> like i've never had i've never done work with anybody in lawn care his or home you know space so so like we were talking about that and then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna rank a site. So I was like, Liam, we'll compare results. I'm gonna do an I'm gonna do a test site, an AI test site with with long care and you know, see if I can get up in that top ten. Well but uh what was I gonna say? But yeah, I just learned that prompts are just like organized sets of instructions. I thought it was like some like special thing where there was like a macro or you know, some some sort of special like way to use chat GPT. <laughs> So yeah, that that's, I just wanted to call that out because I think that's, if people are selling those, yeah, it's, it's a bit interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So the biggest question my clients have had was how can we start using, you know, mainly, Hey, can we start generating content with, with, with this? And I'm, you know, the answer is yes, but you know, be, we need to be responsible about it. Like it's still gotta be good as long as it's quality and is is useful and not spam then i'm i'm fine with it you know so i think that that's actually going to unlock a few things for you know several clients who have like more not repetitive kind of content around like certain 
things. Like imagine if they have like products, like doing product descriptions or like stuff like that, where it's or content that's like really monotonous, but you also want to make sure it's like, it's well and optimized, you know, like that's, I, I think that's a really good uh, use case. And you could think of similar ones. I think we're, I've we're, been using. I was just going to say, I think where businesses are, are going to get in trouble and it's pretty straightforward is where it, it's where the, the, the content is more complex. And we're just trying to use, because a lot of the, a lot of the copy that comes out, especially if you don't really thoroughly QA or have a copywriter QA, it's kind of rubbish. Like, yeah, I, well, I've got some guys on my team who will use it just as like thought provokers. And I can tell when they've properly looked through it and QA'd it as opposed to when they've just gone, Hey Russ, look at this. Because I think of a lot of the time it's just, and the, the quality is just, just not there. Maybe it's the prompts going in. Maybe it's the iteration of those prompts. It probably is that. But you know what the biggest, so, I mean, this is something that, I mean, I think that is probably particularly, I mean, this is going to definitely impact like owners, you know, agency owners or, or, you know, consultancy owners the most, but I've reduced dev time by 30% with ChatGPT4. It's, it's awesome. People are talking about writing content. People need to be writing code. <laughs> that's what it, that's what it's really. I mean, ChatGPT and its core. One of the fundamentals that it was built for essentially was debugging code. You could even ask. You can ask it. Debugging code and finding you know issues in code was like it, it's. I would say one of the most powerful applications is for developers. I you know while I I. A write JavaScript, you know, myself and do, I, you know, I'm a fully capable front end developer. I can go ask for a function that does, you know, this while I'm working on something else that's done. Use chat GPT four though, because the original one is going to not have code that like works. You're going to have to like really tweak it, but and it's, it's really hard to get to a working product. But if you use chat GPT four or like the pro version one, maybe you're, you were talking about in my experience, maybe like two to three tweaks in, in a, a piece of code that, you know, you have chat GPT, right. But you can plop that into a module or script, you know, whatever, and, and have that done for you. So, you know, in re, in a real sense, I mean, as a, as an agency owner yourself, like, you know, dev, dev time is something that like, if I can, if I can say I've reduced dev time by 30% by outputting aspects of the development process, to chat GPT, that's amazing. like that, that means something, you know? <laughs> I'm going to ask a really lay, layman's question here, but when you say, yeah. you know, you might need to iterate it two or three times to get it right. Are you actually grabbing that code and then like popping into like the saving site to see what it looks like? Or can you see from the code itself that it's not quite there? Well, I mean, I, I can see that there's, it's going to be like, so usually it would be like if we have, cause like all, all of our, our code base for everything, all of our client sites and stuff is like, you know, is, is all shared. So like yep. it, it's all in repository. So I have like copies, you know, my main devs have copies. Like I can, you know, a lot of times we're working through problems together. So I've got the, you know, the code open while they're like, you know, working on it and, you know, we're problem solving together. But basically, so when you put, so I guess I should go with my process from the start. And I, I think that this, one of the reasons I've been good at it is because I was a product manager for a while when I was at a tech startup. So I was, you know, working directly with dev teams to, create, you know, functionality. The, this is where the prompts actually come into play, having a really well-defined prompt. So using like the example of user stories. So that's a producty kind of like way of doing things. But starting out with like, as a user, I want to be able to, you know, when I click this, I want to see that like it having clear steps oh, wow. like outlined. Okay. Yeah. 
write it up like that and then explain any other parts of the, you know, code that might be, might interplay with it. But when you like chat GPT will, you know, work through it and it understands it can recode like perfectly fine. You can paste code in and it can tell you everything it's like attempting to do. I would say the biggest things that tweak are like variable names or like maybe there's a certain, you know, value that's undefined because like it didn't, or like a parameter didn't get passed to a function that like, you know, like it just, it makes them mistakes sometimes. Like it's not going to be hundred percent perfect all the time, but it's the closest you can get to being able to plop a, a snippet directly into a site and having it work Very immediately cool. that we've ever been. So that's super yeah, cool. that's my recommendation on AI. You do write code with it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, honestly, one of my favorite things of doing this podcast is I get to like share stories like this with my team. <laughs> hey, we've got so many dev, dev issues with a couple of sites at the moment where they're, you know, some of them are just WordPress sites, but they've got like other skins over the top or there's like a huge amount of different custom coding that has to go into actually what the user yeah, sees. I understand. Uh, we, that's like all the webs, like most of the websites that we get <laughs> end up being like middleware. Amazing. Super cool. And actually maybe that's just a quick thought. Maybe... Maybe I'll put out, uh, maybe I'll do some content soon that covers how I, how I write those playbooks or write those prompts and just kind of, yeah, it's a good idea. Actually, I'll do that. I think you'd find a lot of SEOs would be like all over that. That's, that would be really, really helpful content, help content. Here we go. All right. That'll, we'll do it then for sure. Cool. Cool. Speaking of helpful content, we've got that update happening later in the year. It looks like they're probably going to go a lot deeper on on EAT, and there's that kind of you know battleground between generative search and and the use of AI, like we're talking about for, for copy. But then my gut says that there's going to be more around author credibility, and then maybe authors using these chat programs to to be able to produce complex, more insightful copy. But what, what's your thoughts on on what, what we might see when this rolls out? So do you, this do you remember? Remember author rank? Oh, forgotten about that. Yeah, that was like one of the first things oh. we did structured data with. Remember when the when the back then the data highlighter actually the data highlighter still exists and people should use it a hundred percent. I forget that I had posted about that a while ago. Maybe it was like Lily or someone was like this. Yeah, people absolutely should be using that. It's great. But uh, back so author rank. I thoroughly believe that we were training the initial you know stages of an ai to be able to identify author entities so this goes into semantic search and you know everything that you know bill recipes corey talk about you know semantic seo stuff like it's really really big you know i think that was teaching a lot of a lot of stuff there with you know how how to pick up author entities so that was one thing i wanted to pop in is that you mentioned you know authorship and all of that so i i think that you know a lot of that had had to do with, I think that they're going to be able to understand and recognize author's content a hundred, a lot better, you know, who it is, who, who's written the stuff. The other thing that I think is that, and I actually wrote about this, kind of predicted this in back in 2020, um, I had given like a, a scenario where, you know, someone, I called it like Mike's vacation or something in, in the article that I wrote, but it was basically, you know, you buy a, a ticket to, you know, go to vacation in the Gulf of Mexico or something. Right. And then, or you didn't buy yet. Maybe you're like researching, you know, plane tickets and stuff and like trying to book a reservation or whatever. And like you stop, you, you stop your user journey and you go do something else. And like you, in the meantime, there's like a, a hurricane that's heading to, you know, 
that area and you just like didn't know about it. Then when you go back and resume your journey, the search results, like you can't find that same link anymore that you were at before because you know, you know, uh, you don't know why. So you're like, wait a second, why can't I find Mike's vacations article on the Gulf of Mexico, like getaways, you know, like Google found like recognized, picked up on the real world event. There's a hurricane that's about right there. So it's now recommending you alternatives. You end up going to have a great time, you know, in like the Maldives or like the Gulf, you know, like the Mediterranean somewhere, y you know, because, because search responded like that. So wow. that, that's, that's where, that's what I, I think. And I, I think that like with Bard and stuff, I mean, that's what it's looking like is going to be pretty realistic is, is, you know, dynamic SERPs basically. Right. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? Like yeah. that it can be, it's almost, it's like thinking on its feet based on the environment that's going on topical, topically or whatever else. And it's, and it's incredibly helpful. Yeah. It's a pain helpful. for SEOs, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, I mean, Google's, Google's a product like any other, their main focus is, you know, improving user experience, which I think stuff like that definitely would. That's kind of where I see, I think that'd be like one of the first ways that we see AI really affect SEO because, you know, then I, what, so what, what does that mean for SEOs? Right. I mean, I think we're going to really have to be on the ball with content. Really. I mean, just, you know, in my experience, a lot of people talk about evergreen content or, you know, updating content, but like in practice, I hardly see people do it where, you know, articles will, you know, and this was one of the earliest things. I forget who would always talk about it, but content, a piece of content should be like a, think of it as like a living, you know, it's, it's never finished. It should always be like, you should have a, a cycle. I mean, the, we, I do that. We do this all the time. You should have a, a life cycle of, you know, when does something come up and use your content, you know, use your task, your project management software, like Asana or like whatever you're using to, you know, time that stuff. So, Hey, three months, six months, 12 months, like review this article that we published, you know, Hey, are there any new like relevancies around there that we need to start looking at? Like, did we write an article about vacation getaways and there was a hurricane coming? So like we should go update it to, you know, have places that aren't in the Gulf of Mexico anymore, you or, know, or even just like something at the top, which says, just make sure you check out for weather warnings and safety, safety first, family first, just so it looks like yeah. there's actually humans behind this you care about, you know, that's such an interesting, yeah. Kevin Indy calls it content tuning and like a content tuning calendar. Kevin, that's who that's, yeah. Okay. Got, uh, I was trying to think of someone who I had talked about that a bunch, but yeah, that's who I was thinking of. And, and I guess the other part to that is content tuning actually means like taking a considered almost empathetic human eye to it. It doesn't mean just changing the title and leaving the rest of it. Like no. from top 2022, top 2023, there's some pretty famous influencers out there who have had, they've been called out for that kind of just shoddy update tuning. So no, I mean, I've done it before. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But as we say, like it's the engine's getting smarter. So, and people, yeah, people, 100%. People, it's getting smarter because people are expecting more. I guess that's the yeah. whole thing with generative search is people want stuff, which is topical to them, which answers their query right now. They don't want to have to do two, three searches of refining that search, refining that search. Google wants them to hit it first time, close enough the first time. So, yeah, it, I guess this is whenever I had, whenever I had the interns, when I was back in house, I would. I would always teach them like when we were doing, going over like content and stuff. And I don't know if any, maybe this is just the way that I search and I'm just super unique. I, I, I doubt that that's the case, but I always tell them that good SEO is when the user doesn't have to open a new tab. Cause you know how, when you look something up and you, you scroll through the results and you see a lot of times you'll 
open something, a bunch of them in a new tab and then go through and, and get to each of them. And a lot of times you'll find, so that's kind of the exercise that I would always tell them to go through, like do a search, open up a bunch of them in a new tab and then see where, what are all of these missing that's extremely important to the, and you, you just have to use kind of like, you know, common sense to, I mean, you could, I don't know of any, you could probably, there's probably an SEO tool that can do that for you, but you know, your brain's also pretty good tool. Pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, see what, where's the opportunity here? And then the resulting piece, you know, just address, you know, and, and I think Google appreciates that too. I think that Google kind of looks for diversity of ideas or like pages that are bringing something else to the table around a certain topic. Like if you've got a surf, you know, you might have like a bunch of the top articles, but if you really, if you want to come on a left field and, and rank on that surf, maybe you're like a lower, a newer website, don't have as strong of a backlink profile, whatever. And you want to, you know, put something that's like super, you know, a completely different perspective. That's like still relevant to the, you know, think of the user intent there, because, you know, a lot of time it's something that could have a double meaning or, you know, be relevant to different senses. So take the other, you know, the opposite of what other results are talking about and put it in a new light. And then I've, I've done that with a lot of young sites that should not really have any business ranking on that powerful of a, or, you know, next to the, you know, the time they're like really high authority sites and getting like a top five position with a piece. So, but I think that's like yeah. classic, just thinking of the user, like when they're doing this search, yeah. everyone thinks they want this answer. So we're all just going to try to outdo each other on this answer. Maybe they don't want exactly that answer, or maybe they want a contrarian or, or different perspective, or maybe that there's a completely different answer to this question, which no one, seem, everyone else seems to have missed. So I think totally it's kind of, it's user, it's, you know, user focused as opposed to just traffic content SERP focused, which is what it should don't be Don't just about. copy who's successful already. <laughs> exactly. Do something, do something original, you know, come up with your own ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, Mike. Well, that's awesome conversation. We've, we've jumped into a bunch of different topics, got some really good takedowns here that I'm going to take back to my team and I'm sure our listeners will as well. We're going to close yeah. off with our Vox Pop. So I'm going to fire some questions at you and I just want the first thing that pops into your mind for Great. each of these and we'll kick off. You ready? Yep. Great. Which previous algo chain still keeps you up at night? Berries. The one in Berry Maccabees. Perfect. What is your favorite non-obvious software tool that you use every day to either research or execute? The terminal. What is it? Command line. Terminal. Ah. Terminal app on Mac. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Which do you prefer, content or links? Links. I mean, you asked for the first thing that came to mind, so. Cool. Yes. Got it. Yeah. What's the, what's the most effective link building technique that you've ever used? Phone call. Oh, I like it. That's the first time I've heard that. That's good. Yeah. What do you love? People should use it more. Oh, I, I, I tell myself all the time that, but I've never thought about it from that perspective. Everyone else is on email. What a crank. That's, that's good. There you go. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Yes. <clears throat> we use a lot with tool. So like the checkers, the, you know, little web tools, like it's not, they're not applications, but it's like a web, little web application. We, we did a lot there. A lot of times with low competition, there's like one other tool that, that does something and every, every market needs a competitor with like different, you know, tweaks to it. Like maybe this one does like a little bit something different, but I mean, really skyscraper is just making an improved version of something and in, in conducting outreach or like digital PR to other sites that like already linked to it. Right. Was it Brian Dean that coined skyscraper? It was. Okay. I think I personally, I mean, I, I do have a couple thoughts on this, but I know it's supposed to be like a no, shotgun, definitely. but I do, I do think that mass outreach is kind of a waste of time. I'd rather do digital PR to like a small, carefully, you know, handpicked subset and, you know, 
I guess in my previous example, pick up the phone. <laughs> I would never, I don't ever ask anything to be replaced or say that like our thing is better. Usually it's like the author of the original content that is the one that's going to have to go back and add the link. So, you know, definitely want to be sensitive to that. I would say on that note, a good measure of your quality of the piece that you put out that you're trying to get other, you know, these links for is, can you imagine the author of the original article wanting to, at their own volition, go back and add what you've created to, to the piece? Otherwise, you're just going to have to put up dollars. That's it's the sheer, sheer reality of it. I think what you're getting at, it's a, it's, a, it's a methodology which some people take too literally. I think you can... Way too literally, yeah. I think like anything, you, you can put your own context, your own spin on it and use it in a way which is you know, a bit more human as opposed to necessarily being really prescriptive to it. Totally. Cool. What do you love most about SEO? Auditing. You do. But how do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? What's the Star Wars quote? Was it do or do not, there is no try? Love it. I think that is in a very simple way. That That's my answer. Got it. I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyway. Work from home life or office life or hybrid life? Yeah, we've, we already talked about this in, in before we hopped on, but hybrid, cool. for sure. SEMrush, SEMrush or Ahrefs? Ahrefs. And last one, for brands, what do you think is the best approach for SEO? A hiring agency or a consultant to go in-house or a combination of both? Combination of both. Cool. I think that I think that oftentimes people, brands, especially startups, I, I work with a lot of startups, they'll they'll hire somebody too soon or when they don't necessarily like they'll bring somebody in full time you know before and and then it, yeah they seo gets bored you know it, it's they're paying a salary the whole time start out with a consultant understand what your issues are and then if once you get to the point where you have to start scaling content and stuff like that then yeah you outsource the stuff that you that requires that kind of scale to an agency Mike, awesome. Thanks so much. Really great conversation. Loved having you on. Yeah, today. Russ, this was awesome. I had a great time. Excellent. How can how can people reach out to you? What's the best place to find you? I mean, I I'm usually not on Twitter, but I probably should be. Uh LinkedIn for sure. Um is probably the best place. Excellent. Or or join the mostly marketing flag channel. So it actually gets mentioned a lot on this podcast. I, I'm in it every day. I'm in a bunch of those groups and I leave a bunch of those groups because they just, it's full spam. But I learned so many new tools and so many different bits and pieces from that group. So yeah, yeah, Liam, Liam, great. We've been, I've been working with him for a while. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good time. It is. Either way. It is. Cool, Michael. Thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. That's been another episode of SEO Success Stories. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be here again in two weeks' time with another thought leader on the tools, someone who knows lots and lots about SEO and is keen to share their story. If you've enjoyed today, please do jump online, write us a five-star review. That would be amazing. Apple reviews, Spotify, wherever you would like. Awesome. Thanks again. SEO Success Stories. I'm out. Cheers. Cheers.